Okay, everybody, today we have a pretty special treat. On a podcast, I get to have so many people come on to my show and I get to hear their story. I get to ask them all the questions and understand who they are and what what makes them tick, what makes them do what they do, and how do they balance that with being a parent? How do they not get lost in the noise and stay focused on what really matters to them inside their home? So as so many people have joined along in this journey, it's been totally amazing. We are now past 12,000 listeners, followers, downloads. It's been incredible. And I could not do this without you guys. So thank you so much for tuning in, for listening. I truly hope that this is helping you and being able to add valuable insights of what it means to be a successful parent. So today for this episode, I actually was on another podcast called Becoming Home. Incredible podcast. Go check it out. Amazing, amazing person named Carly Thornock. She is the host of that podcast. And I went on to her podcast and it was such a fun interview that I'm actually going to be sharing it here with you as well, because I thought this way, all of our new people that are joining along for this ride will get to know me a little bit better, get to know what I do a little bit more. And I'm just really excited. I hope this helps and we will see you soon. This is where we uncover the simple traditions that successful business owners are doing every day to build a successful home life while still taking the lead in their business. Let's get started. Hey, what's up, homies? So glad that you are here. I'm Carly and I'm here today with my lovely friend, Wanda Howard. And I feel like this is a connection that is new as there are a lot of fun connections in my life at this point, like branching out in a few new ways. And Wanda has been a light and I'm really excited to introduce you to her. Not only is she just cool and like smart, and she also lives in a small town in the middle of Utah that nobody's ever heard of. So holla, holla to the (laughs) middle of nowhere, people. Um, And not even mine. Like, I mean, it's serious. Like, this is a thing, you guys. You guys should get on the bandwagon in middle of nowhere, Utah towns. Uh, She is also a parenting expert. And the way that she approaches parenting is different because often we have we have parenting experts who like to tell us what to do this is how you do parenting this is how you make your kids be good but wanda and i both agree that you like can't force your kids to do anything but you can make really good invitations and so wanda after having an amazing story of championing herself through her childhood (laughs) has come to discover some really great parenting tips that help people do things differently than how they were raised. Now, for all of us, we all have conditioning. We were all raised in a certain way. We all want to take some things and we want to leave other things. And Wanda's specialty is helping us like reprogram. So Wanda, welcome. I'm so happy to have you here. Oh, thanks so much for having me. I've been excited about this conversation. And if I ever like start running down a rabbit hole, just let me know. Put me back on track. No, we're going to follow you. We love all the (laughs) rabbit holes. That is what we're here for. That is what we're here for. Okay. So start us off and just like hit the home run. What are these three parenting gaps that you talk about and how can we, yeah, period. Let's start there. What are the three parenting gaps you noticed? Okay. This is awesome. I love these gaps just because for me, um, when I became a mom in the very first place, I, I was struggling with depression and mental illness and a whole bunch of like PTSD and just stuff from my background. But, um, I really wanted to give my kids something different. I wanted to be able to be there for them. I wanted them to grow up with an amazing childhood and, and do all the things and have all the fun pictures and the fun outfits and have all the fun 
friend get togethers and the awesome birthday parties. And just, I had this vision of what I wanted my kids to grow up with. Um, and I, that was like my every waking ambition was to just give them the best kind of childhood. Um, but obviously I'm human, have my limitations. And every time I would fall short, even a little bit, even like, oh, today we had an hour of just sitting and not doing an activity or a DIY project or getting my kids uh, further along in their education or anytime I was not like fully engaged in this very vague uh, idea of let's give my kids the best kind of childhood. I felt like I was failing. I felt like there I was falling behind and I didn't know what to do. Um, So as I started to read like the parenting expert books and all of the resources and going through courses, I was doing all of the things that they were telling me to do. I was talking with soft tones. I was making sure I got down on their eye levels. I was doing all of the things and I was getting more depressed. I was struggling more. My mental health was going down. Everything about life was becoming more and more unsatisfying for me. And that was extremely frustrating because I was like, I'm doing all of the things. What am I missing? And I kept piling things more and more on my plate. Well, through a a slew of events of my own life. um, So, and again, this is kind of where I go down the rabbit hole. Like, how far do we go down this? But I was realizing for me that if I wanted to be able to teach my kids certain principles, like when you have a disagreement with somebody, how to have those hard conversations that I needed to be able to set the example myself. And I wanted my kids to also grow up knowing it's okay to relax. It's okay to just chill out and read a book or do nothing at all and just be lost in your own thoughts. I wanted them to be at peace with themselves and fully love who they are and not feel like I felt on a constant day-to-day basis. I hated being alone. I hated being by myself because I I was lost in my own thoughts, lost with my own experiences, and it was a downward spiral every time. So I wanted them to love themselves, be comfortable with who they are. And I realized that I had to start setting that example. So really the gaps that I found was not from reading the parenting books. It was from starting my own business. It was from learning just true principles, founding principles, things that you cannot shake out of reality. They are just how the universe works, how God puts things into place so that we are able to keep progressing. And one of the things that I noticed in the business world is over and over, um, thing like books like The Multiplier, it talks over and over about how the relationships inside the business is what's really going to create um, a make or break company. If it's really going to inspire people to keep going and to be motivated. And, and I realized like, I wanted to give my kids that kind of an environment, that kind of uh, a reality where they felt lit up and inspired to keep putting more effort into their life. Hold on. Are you saying parenting isn't about entertaining our children every waking (laughs) hour of the day? I know, right? <laughs> I feel like this is really big deal. Like we need to shout this from the rooftop. I want to start doing the dance. Like it is not about what you do. It's about who you are. And this is like parent to child. Just what you're saying. So good. Exactly. And it's like, if, if we're constantly trying to entertain our kids, that is so draining. That's so like so much energy goes into that. And you miss out on so many of the, the needed, uh, 
just fun energy builders that we actually all need. So that's kind of an overlay of uh, how we got there, how I got to that point of realizing some of the gaps. So this was gap number one in business, in hobbies, in everything else that we do. It requires us having um, a relationship, a good, solid relationship that is compatible both ways, that it's not a dictatorship, not another person telling the other one what they should be doing and hovering over them and making sure that they check all the boxes throughout the workday or whatever it is. It is a coaching model, but that it's a give and take. And so I started to like, okay, how do we apply this to parenting? How do we put this principle back into being a mom, being a dad? And this was what I realized. All of the parenting experts, everybody that um, I talked to, it was what I call the parenting equation. It was either the one side said, you have to put the kids first. You have to be able to put them first because you are the mom. You're the dad. You're the adult in the relationship. You have to be able to put your emotions, your physical needs, whatever it is on the back burner, at least for a moment. So you can take care of your kids needs in the moment. Um, If it bring, and for me, it was bringing up a lot of PTSD um, in just simple situations throughout the day. And I would be like, hyperventilating inside and the books were telling me put it on hold don't think about it just focus on your kid but no. I was like how <laughs> no this is why we have self-medicating societies carry on you're total I love everything you're saying <laughs> then the flip side was though you have to start putting yourself first. You are the workhorse of the family. You are the thing that keeps everything going. So you have to do personal needs. You have to take care of yourself. Both of these sides had awesome intakes, awesome like principles of, that are good to know, good to be aware of. But when I tried to just put myself first in every situation and throughout the day, when I was doing my self-care, I felt energized and ready to go. But as soon as I was done with self-care, I went back into the same framework of how to be a mom and it was draining and debilitating and frustrating every single time. And so I would get lost in hours of self-care, locking myself in my room, being like, this is awesome. I love self-care. I don't have to deal with my kids. But as soon as I stepped out that door again, it was like that relationship hit any better. And it it wasn't energizing. So I realized just like in mathematics, if you are ever focused on what comes first, you are building a subtraction model. You are going to be starting with, because that's the only time that it matters what comes first in an equation. If you have a, a bigger number, then you can minus it and you're always going to end up with a lesser result. Something that's what? That is so <laughs> good. It really is a subtraction thing. It's yeah. a mindset. It's a, it's like um, a scarcity mindset, right? Basically like a subtraction mindset. Whoa. Yeah. And so how to switch that is to realize that we want to build something more than what we currently have. We want something greater and more energizing and makes you feel more fulfilled at the end. So the only way to do that is addition. And with addition, we know it does not matter which one comes first. Two plus three is always going to be five and three plus two is always going to be five. So it's, and it's going to be energizing. It's going to have better, bigger results. It's not so many times people say things like, I hate this situation with my kids. Like I hate having to discipline them this way, or I hate having to talk to them this way, or I hate that this is the reality that we're in. And I wish people could realize like, if you're hating it, it's because it's coming out with a lesser energy of like, just 
you're ending up with less than what you started with. It is a subtraction model. If you're hating it, it's not helping anybody. So if you hate something, change it. And the way to change it is to start counseling. And that's how we build a model that's different is counsel with your kids. I hear people all the time saying things like, well, of course I include my kids with um, big decisions. Like I, I want them being a part of their decisions in their life. But at the end of the day, I'm the parent and I know that I need to be the one making that decision. I cannot even tell you how often I hear this. And it's like very ingrained in a lot of people. Yeah. And it's so sad. And I remember too, when I first like realized, okay, it needs to be a counseling. It needs to be coming together of my mind and my kid's mind. It was so hard to be like, get rid of that like side thought every single time. Cause I'd be like, okay, I'd ask them about school. Do you want to go to public school? Do you want to be homeschooled? And then in the back of my mind, I'm like, okay, if they say this one, I'm going to try to get them to say this one or, you know, and, and it was so hard to know how to handle that at first, but now, now it's rhythmic. Now I know like how to put that into place. And I go through that in my program. But for right now, if you're wondering, like, how can you get started? How can you start building that model? It's truly is just being aware, being aware that you are demanding that you know how to make every single kind of situation, every kind of decision with everything for you and every human being that is in your household. And that's doesn't work. That's not. It's exhausting. <laughs> it's exhausting. We need sugar cookies in order to do that kind of work. And yeah. Then, <laughs> then what happens? No, I think that that's so beautiful, and it puts that relationship right in the center where it needs to be. Um, but the emotions that come with putting relationship first are very intense, and so mm -hmm. that's why it's so awesome that you have this program to be like a scaffolding as people are learning to let go. It's like like. Have you guys ever gone rappelling maybe where you're at the top of the cliff or you have the rope behind your bum and they're like, okay, lean back. And you're like, no, <laughs> I know what happens if I jump off a cliff. Like every survival mechanism is like, I can't let go. I can't let go. But you realize once you use your rope that actually it's fun and actually it's safe. Do you, what do you find people experiencing these first few weeks of relationship first as they're letting go of control? What's this process? What does it look like for many people? Well, for a lot of people, it's it, it's like this um, going in with a lot of skepticism of like, okay, I like yeah, this yeah, idea, yeah. I yeah. like this concept, <laughs> but really, <laughs> it, like when the rubber like, hits the road, <laughs> and, like they're constantly waiting. Like it's like this total, uh, I don't know what the word is, but just woo-woo idea of this is this is what you do but then at the end of the day you still make the decisions you're still the parent and I'm like no that's that's literally we never go there it's like you you can put this into motion where um like for example I will give a example of what it was like in my life so that others listening can take from it and start to see how these interactions can happen with their kids so um I was very against homeschooling, absolutely hated the idea of homeschooling my kids. And she was, my oldest was going to public school. And I started to notice that there were some things that we weren't comfortable with that were happening. And her, the way that she intakes the world, the way that she's very vibrant and very bubbly and just loves to be lost in her imagination. And she was losing that. And that was scary for me. I didn't want that to happen. And so one of the possibilities that we thought of to help her was let's try homeschooling. 
And I hated that thought. I hated that idea coming into my head. And, but then I realized (laughs) it's not up to me. This is not my life. She needs to be the one in control. So I took it to her and I was like, Emery, what do you think about this? And at first it was like a dead, absolutely not like why on the earth would I ever want to do anything other than what I'm doing. And so I, I left it at that. And we just kept talking about it. Not me trying to coerce her, not me trying to be like, this is really what we need to be doing. But it was, this is another thought I had about it. What do you think? And sometimes you'd be like, oh, that's true. That would be nice to not have to wake up super early every day. And, or sometimes you'd be like, uh, no, I'd rather wake up and be able to be my, with my friends. Anyways, it was just a back and forth for weeks. And then eventually COVID hit and the school was all moved home anyways. And so then she got to experience a little bit of it at home. And she was like, hmm, I kind of like this. There's a lot to it that she really thrived with. And so then um, we said, well, should we try it next year and just see how it goes? And if you hate it, then we go back to public school. And that was an idea that she really liked. She's like, okay. She knew that the cards were in her hands, that if she decided she hated homeschooling, that it was an option still to go back. So then we tried homeschooling and we've all loved it. Every single one of my kids do it now and we do it. And oh my gosh, we love it. So that was how that went. But now that we've really embraced our kids being able to make the decisions, there are so many times where they don't even want to make the decision and then I can make it. So for example, um, we do, we do date nights. So every single day of the week is assigned to one of my kids. And so Monday is, our oldest and then Tuesday's the next one and so on and so forth. And we spend an hour at least with one-on-one having a date night with our kids. And sometimes we have to adjust or be like, Hey, today is super crazy. So I'm going to the store and I have to do all these things. Can we do that? Just you and me going to the store as our date night. And sometimes they're like, yeah, that's totally great. And other times they're like, this is super important to me. Um, So I wanted to make sure these things happen. So either we make it happen that day or we put it on the calendar for next time or whatever it is. But my point is that they are aware enough that they can make decisions for their life, that they don't have this intense need to fight me on everything. It's, it is a collaboration. It is a thing where I can be like, this is my need. This is what's happening in today. This is what's happening in the week. How can we work together? And they're very, all of them. I, and I have kids from nine to, well, our three-year-old is not as, <laughs> she is very determined to have things her way still. Mm-hmm. But the rest of them are very good at just um, being able to work through things, not feeling like I have to have it my way. If I don't have it my way, the world will end. Um, because they know that if it really matters, that we will make what matters to them happen. So yeah, I hope that That's helps. so beautiful. That really is that really is amazing. And recently I've been studying about the power of no answers and how mm-hmm. when we are allowed in our own minds, like granted we're always probably allowed, but specifically children, um, they can feel like they're not allowed to say no. Yeah. And we wanna at least I, and I'm speaking like for my tribe and probably for yours, you tell you let me know if this resonates, but I want everyone to feel like they can own their no and to be respectful of other people's no's. Like I wanna raise my kids in a way where they have a very strong no. And surprisingly, when people exercise their no and it's honored, there is a connection and a trust that's built that leads to 
compromise or even acquiescing more often, which is so fascinating, right? And I totally agree. I love this concept that just like yesterday, my five-year-old now, he was like looking at me and I, I asked him to do something like, um, I don't even remember what it was. Can you hand me that book or something like that? Something simple that he was sitting right by it. And I was a little further away. So I was like, Hey, can you hand me that book? And he looks at me and his big brown eyes and he puts his hand together and he's like, no, (laughs) (laughs) I loved it. It made my heart so happy that he was like, he was drawing at the time and he just didn't want to stop. He was caught in what he was doing and he didn't want to stop. And I loved that he felt comfortable enough to tell me no. And so, yes, I totally agree. And, and they don't always say no, but when they do, it is helpful to realize like, this is my space. This is my life. I don't, I'm not a robot. I don't have to do what others are telling me to do. And it gives them a lot of just, mental health, mental space. So I I autonomy. Yes. Kids need that. Everybody needs that. And sometimes we don't let ourselves say no. And that feels awful. Let yourself say no. Let your kids say no. (laughs) Amazing. Okay. So you focused on the relationship. This is the first gap. Such a good gap. We could talk about this gap for 800 years and (laughs) I anticipate doing that soon. So put it on your calendar. What's the second gap? The second gap is what I call the uh, success gauge. So, oh, this is so good. I can tell this is already going to blow my mind. Okay, go. With every single thing that we do in life, we are beings of growth. We have to be able to grow in order to get, in order to feel fulfilled in life, in order to feel like what we're doing matters. And um, so with working out, we have success gauges of like, okay, I want to be able to do this many reps, or I want to lose this weight, or I want to go this distance or whatever the purpose is. And we have gauges to mark whether or not we're making progress, whether or not it's the amount, the time, the weight, whatever we have gauges put in place. We would never go into a gym and say, I want to be able to lift 300 pound weights and then sit and watch everybody else and see if they're doing it. And if we see somebody that's struggling to lift their weights, we go over there and be like, come on, you can do this, you can do this. And and hope and pray that they'll get there so that we can feel fulfilled. You would never be like, okay, I hate the way I always feel droggy and just bleh. And I want to go to the gym to feel energized in my own skin again and go and sit there and watch everybody else do an amazing workout and then feel like, okay, I totally rocked that one. I'm, I'm going off into my day feeling great now. Like we wouldn't do that. Um, but yet we're doing it all the time as a parent for our success gauges. The only thing that we have as a parent or that we've been taught that we have is looking at our kids. Are they behaving? Are they happy? Are they modeling this thing? Are they getting good grades? Are they, are they, 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 all these things are they got to shake it off. I'm going to shake yeah. that right <laughs> off because that hits so close to home and we don't know any other way to gauge success, but yeah. there's a better way. Uh-huh. You're going to tell it's us so it. crazy how simple the other way is. And because it's so simple, we disregard it. And I think especially, well, I don't know, especially in our own ways, moms do it in their own ways and dads do it in their own ways. But um, that really the only way that we can start identifying if it's working is how it makes us feel. And that is so infuriating at first because it's like, 
we have been so programmed to not pay attention to how we feel about things or it's just like, no, this is the way things are done. This is what people expect. This is what I expect. This is what I envision. Like we have all of these stories that just say like, this is how things need to be when it doesn't. Um, But the only way to break that is pay attention to how you feel. And so (laughs) the first question everybody asks is like, but what does that mean? How do you know, like, how you feel about? (laughs) (laughs) And so this is what I start telling them is focus on the relationships that you enjoy, the ones that you want to go back to, the ones that energize you, the ones where, like, do you want to keep hanging out with the coworker where you have to hold your tongue and not say what you really think because you're going to offend somebody or you might be seen terrible or that they might not understand how you come across or you just like feel like you're caught in your own little bubble inside and you cannot say anything just because it's not acceptable or whatever. You would hate keeping going back to that relationship and spending time with them over and over and over every single day because you're not yourself. You don't feel like you can be open with your own thoughts and your own things going on inside. And so um, as we start paying attention to the relationships that we enjoy, pay attention to why do you enjoy them? Do you enjoy being with your mom? Is it because you feel like you can uh, vent about every little thing? Then do that with your kids. So many times parents are like, don't let your kids know about the big issues or what's going on with them. I'm like, no, they're a person. They need to be aware of what you're going through and they need to see an adult go through it so that they know it's okay to go through things themselves. And so when you have like a relationship that is thoroughly enjoying for you to keep going back to model those things, Mm -hmm. try interacting that way with your kids. And it will, it is amazing how fast it starts shedding layers of, Oh, this is, this is fun to be this way. Now there will at at the beginning with the people I've worked with, there is always this. um, (laughs) And for me too, when I was doing this at the beginning, it was like this, guilt phase that comes into play. Like you start, I remember for me, that was one of my my big things is I love being able to just be on my horse for a little bit and vent about how everything's going wrong. Not because I really think everything's going wrong, but I just want to get it out. I just want my husband to know. I just want to get it all out there. And so at first, when I tried doing that with my kids, um, I felt really guilty the very first time. And I loved, my daughter was like, my oldest was five, almost six years old. And I just vented out to her about everything that I was frustrated with, with the situation and how this and this wasn't working. And she, she just kind of sat there and she's like, oh, is that why you do this and this and this when we're trying to do these things? (laughs) I was like, yes. And she's like, oh, so it doesn't have anything to do with me is what you're saying. And I was like, what? <laughs> like it, she wow. was a five-year-old and she put that together that quick when I showed up in the way that I like to show up in my relationships. And, um, and the need to vent is not near as intense anymore for me because I allow myself to do it when it does come along. Um, but that's just one example. Other examples are like, if um, you like to be silly, if your friend spills their drink over at the restaurant and it makes you laugh like 
show up that way when your kids spill a glass of milk or spill something and allow yourself to laugh about it, to show up as a friend. Cause so, and it is hard. It is so hard when you know you're the one that might have to clean up the mess if they're too little or it is hard. But if you start paying attention to the fact that you are creating a relationship with a lot of resistance, know that that will never go away. Those resistant kind of relationships will be what you produce long-term. So be willing to put in the work of, of allowing yourself to show up the way you would with a friend, with your spouse, with your parents, however, the whatever relationships you have that you love, show up that way with your kids. Start paying attention to how it makes you feel. I like that so much. And I also like that it's the second gap because when it's couched in relationship, like almost an interdependent independent because you're the adult like you don't rely on your children to make you feel a certain way but like you are engaging with them as you would someone you highly respect in a relationship in a give and take model so that of course you can be the mom if you need to be the mom but like this isn't about that right now and it doesn't really ever have to be like the times where you have to be like this is a safety issue do what i say like those are like once every decade So when you're, when you see success gauges so clearly it's through that relationship paradigm. Oh, it's so clear. That's fun. What's the, well, even with like, this is a safety issue. Like you have to do this so many times. I like that isn't even out of this success gauge that isn't out Mm. of this blueprint, because if your friend was about to walk into the road with oncoming traffic, you would get mad. You would be yeah, like, you would. so serious of like, hey, pay attention. Like, that's not okay. You've got to stay safe. And so realizing like our emotions, especially like when we're mad and frustrated and stuff, they aren't this arbitrary, out of place. You're crazy forever showing them. They mm. are a needed part of a relationship. I So I have been <laughs> in relationships with people that they are very melatonin. They are very good at staying in control of their tones and their voice and never showing like high uh, energy emotions. And it is, it's so frustrating because simply because they are staying in a monotone voice or, or the low tones, they feel like they're doing a great job when really they're depriving themselves of a more connected relationship. Because if they would just tell me what was frustrating them, in that kind of language, I would get to know them so much better and be able to know the boundaries and appreciation. And like right now in our society, everybody is talking about have good boundaries and make sure people know your limits and stuff. But one of the biggest reasons why it's so hard to have those boundaries is we don't show the emotional boundaries. If we got better at showing our real emotion in the situations, then people would automatically know just intuitively what our boundaries are. So um, I really love that. The other thing that I really think that helps people start to understand how crucial this is and how much it impacts our life is think of any, like in our society with our success gauge, so many people see the kids as whether or not um, the parents doing a good job. I remember, so my mom was in a wheelchair she she had no control over her left side she was not she was very handicapped and so as kids were the ones doing all the housework doing all of the chores and everything the cooking the cleaning and every time that we would go out and about 
<laughs> whether it was to church or to the store, or wherever we were, somebody would inevitably turn to her and tell her, thank you so much for everything you're doing. Like you are an amazing mom. Your kids are well-behaved and they clean up the house and you're doing such a great job because your kids are uh, behaving well or they clean the room or whatever it is. And I remember just feeling so unseen. Like, yes, I, I agree. My mom deserves praise for everything she did, but those weren't things she did. Those were things I did. And she's really, she was great at being patient at like, she was stuck in a wheelchair all day. Like that is amazing that she thought of things to do and to keep her mind going and to be invested in education. And, and she deserved those kind of praise for being recognized for what she was actually doing. And those kind of comments would have helped build her confidence so much more than, oh, great. I'm a great person because my kids are behaving well. And so if they don't behave well, if they're out of my control, then that means I'm not being a good person anymore. So think of a time with your friend and somebody comes by and steals their purse. They don't throw a fit. They're very well maintained and they're very just like calm about it. It's like, oh, it's fine. I'll get another purse. You would never like people would never come up to that situation and come to you and be like, you are an amazing friend. Your friend didn't throw a fit at all. They didn't say anything. They just kept their cool. And like, you're an amazing friend. It wouldn't even cross people's mind to do that. Or, or you'd purse. Right. Yeah. If she were to throw a fit and get super mad and frustrated and like that person stole my purse, what's going on? Like people would come up to see what was going on, to see how they could help, to see like, can they stop the perpetrator? But instead, if a kid throws a fit, they come to the parent and they're like, you're such a bad mom. Like, why can't you just control your child? Or you know? uh, That's so yeah. messed up. <laughs> that's such a powerful analogy. Because yeah. if if somebody were that way, I mean, if that were really the truth that like friends were expected to control other friends, we'd all be like, what's this cult crazy crap going on over here? <laughs> like, how, what's this mind trap? Get her out. Right. Yep, yep exactly. Yep. Whoa. That's so yep. freaky and so good. So good. OK, what's what's gap number three? So gap number three is a foundation, the kind of foundation that we are building. This one is can feel a little bit arbitrary, but as you start to focus on gap number one, the parenting equation, and gap number two, the success gauge, and start to really understand like it's about counseling together and it's about paying attention to how you're feeling. That's the only way to know if you're really moving forward. As you start to build those two gaps, or like bridge those two gaps, then you start building a new kind of foundation. So to, and you need to understand a little bit of the kind of foundation you're aiming for. So that way you can start building that bridge as well. But right now, what I see over and over and over and what I was doing is we have this idea of, okay, we're right here. I want to get to over here. And so in order to have this kind of life where we're all super invested in each other and we're supportive and we laugh and we bake cookies and the home is filled with happiness and joy and everybody gets along in order to have that i need to start doing something now so what can i change now and we think of things like spending less time on my phone or um, being more attentive when they come to me or um, think of better disciplines or whatever it is we think of all these little tiny changes that we can make and we we read the habits and how to change habits and how to set attainable goals. 
And so then we start going about our day and we like, okay, I'm spending less time on my phone. This is awesome. I'm doing great. And then we find ourselves back on our phone and we like come back down here and we're like, dang it. I'm a terrible human being. I'm back mm-hmm. here. How can I do this? And we beat up that very foundation that we needed to even get there. So of course, we're not even going to keep progressing because just like when building a house, if you kept tearing up the concrete and we're trying to put up a wall too, that wall is going to fall down eventually because the concrete is unstable. It's not what you need it. So we need to start recognizing when we come back to those spots, that's needed. It is absolutely crucial to come back to messing up. And so for an example, to help reiterate this idea, think about going to um, town. For me, that's an hour drive to go to town. Me too. So, yep. <laughs> so if you start going into town and then halfway there, like I'm going into town for all good things. I want to provide food for my family. I want to go to the doctor or I want to pick up some shoes for my kids because they've outgrown their ones, whatever it is. I'm going into town for all good reasons. It's a way to get me to where I want to go, where I, I want to be able to provide for my kids. And then halfway to town, I notice I forgot my wallet. So I have to turn back around and I come back home. Now, instead of just going back in, grabbing my wallet, being like, awesome, okay, I have everything I need now to continue on to my goal. Instead, I grab a baseball bat and start beating up the car and say, how could you bring me back here? Why are we back here? (laughs) It wouldn't help. It wouldn't get us anywhere. And it wouldn't, um, it, it would just end up beating up the very vehicle that took us that way in the first place. Cause, or can you imagine getting halfway to town and then being like, great, I forgot my wallet. So instead of losing my progress, I'm going to hop out of my car and walk back. So that way my car is still there and I can get like, it doesn't make sense, but we are doing this in the rhythm of our day where we think, okay, I I want to spend less time on my phone. Or I want to be more attentive or want us to spend less time watching movies or scrolling through media or whatever it is. And we have these goals. And then when we find ourselves back at the starting point, instead of using what, like, there's a reason you're back there. Just like there's a reason I came back home to grab my wallet, to get what I needed to keep moving forward. Instead of using that rhythm to recognize what we need, we use it to beat ourselves up saying that we're not doing it right. And so we need to start realizing anytime that we're in repeat, it is because there is actually something there that we need. There's a tool there that we need to take with us. And there's a way to start Mm -hmm. realizing those tools. And again, there's, so much into it that I go into my program of like how to start utilizing those tools. But the very first step is to just recognize when you're back and that starting point, it is because you forgot something. Maybe it's because you forgot to pay attention to how you're feeling and not using that success gauge. Maybe it's because you were doing that, like that um, goal in the first place, because you were trying to put your kids first and not trying to put a counsel and a relationship together first. For example, with movies, um, I was super sick for the first uh, eight years of our marriage. And so I spent most of the time on the couch and we watched so many movies. And that's just how we were able to function in the beginning. And I felt so guilty about it. And I kept like trying to change that habit and trying to make that different. 
And I kept finding us back on the couch watching movies. And I was so infuriated. But then when I realized like I wasn't using those two first gauges, I wasn't counseling with my family to even know if it was causing a problem for them. And I wasn't paying attention to how I felt. Because when I paid attention to how I felt at that time with how sick I was, I felt really good that we were able to do something all together that my kids enjoyed. And when I counseled with my husband and with the kids, most of them were like, no, at the end of the day, we've done so much and we went to school or worked so hard and we needed time to just relax. Like we all decided together, you know what, we're going to use movies to bring us together and to just enjoy time for a moment. And because we allowed ourselves to enjoy it rather than send ourselves on a guilt trip, it on its own kind of weeded itself out of our life. And it was so fascinating to see that happen because we started with, well, we'll just watch one movie a night and we'll just plan on that. That is what we do to build connection. And because we allowed ourselves to do that, it eventually just was like, oh, this isn't as needed anymore. Or let's play a game afterwards. Or we, it built us with energy. It gave us the freedom to create that energy of enjoyment instead of guilt that at the end of the movie, we were ready to do something more. We were ready to either play a game or make some cookies or do something else instead of just beating ourselves up, beating the vehicle up that we needed in the first place. So good. I just want everyone to rewind to the beginning and listen to this whole thing again, because it's so game changing. It's game changing. When you recognize that you are your best friend and you can treat yourself like your best friend because it's you that's the car that you don't want to be beating up. If you can like get on board and make make decisions that are going to be wrong or right or whatever, but you're just deciding to to go, that's how you get places. That's so cool. Thank you so much. Okay, so it's coming up holiday season, right? And how do we incorporate these? Be be aware of these parenting gaps and incorporate these new things that we've learned with a traditions and holiday kind of twist or mindset. Do you have any parting thoughts as far as holiday connection goes? Yes. So I am passionate about traditions. Traditions was something that I felt was a huge missing point in my life. I, uh, we didn't have traditions growing up. I remember people saying, oh, we always do this for Christmas and we always do this for Easter and we always do this for St. Patrick's Day. And I was like, yeah, we do nothing. We, and I loved Christmas because we did set up a tree, but uh, most of the time we were, my family was very, very poor. So one Christmas, we actually, for our Christmas tree, we put a pineapple and we hung it from the ceiling and we put some little ornaments hanging on it. And I loved that. But my point was that I didn't feel like we had anything to pass down. And the more that I've learned about traditions, the more that I've realized that isn't, that isn't true. Every single thing that we are doing in our life is because it's been handed down to us from the past from either our past experiences from what we've learned from our parents or from generations back where they did it and so the, their kids did it and their kids did it and passed down to us but everything that we're doing is a tradition so one we don't have to feel like when the holidays come around that we have to be doing all of the things all of the gingerbreads and the cookies and the caroling and the like decorating your tree with popcorn you don't have to do all of the things pick use these gauges, pick which ones make you feel energized, make you feel good and make you like want to keep showing up and pick which ones that you can counsel together that your kids like, that you like. Um, and you can, 
you can use that to start as your blueprint to create traditions that you actually enjoy during the holidays and to start weeding out the ones that you don't need. Instead of focusing on like, oh, well, we we can't stop going Christmas caroling because it teaches my kids X, Y, Z. Everything that we do teaches our kids something. So (laughs) don't use that gauge. Don't don't worry about that. (laughs) Instead, start focusing on like, how does it make you feel? And does everybody in the home, does everybody think that it's worthwhile? If it's energizing for everyone, it's going to keep building a momentum that's going to be more enjoyable through the holidays and more efficient in your life. Um, The other thing to start paying attention to is maybe there's a tradition that you want to keep doing. Like, um, I'm trying to think for Easter, for example, I love Easter. I, I am very Christian. I love the savior. I love his message and everything that he has done for us in our lives and throughout time. Um, and Easter to me was kind of a frustrating holiday growing up because it was all about the Easter bunny. And it was like, there was not a whole lot of scripture or anything about God in it. And, um, for those of you who may not know, like Easter is the time of Christ's, um, crucifixion and then being raised from the dead and all of all of those things for me I was like how do I incorporate what really matters I didn't want to get rid of the Easter tradition I wanted to incorporate what did energize me into it so because God energizes me because talking of him and and teaching of him was something that was one of my values and energizing to me I figured out a way to pull that into it. So we still do Easter egg hunts, but instead of just hitting candy inside, we hide something like a thorn and a little piece of white cloth and um, like a little case of water, just different things that symbolize the Savior's story. And then when we open up our eggs and while we're eating our candy, we talk about all of the different little things that we found in the eggs and we talk about what those mean and how those are incorporated. And so if that sounds like, oh, that's too much. And I couldn't even do that. That's fine. Don't do that one. Do something else, but start focusing on what does energize you and bring those into the Christmas traditions or the Thanksgiving traditions and get rid of all the other garbage that you're like, ah, oh, I wish I didn't have to do this. Don't do that one. Then. Don't do, do it. it. <laughs> <laughs> or if it is something that you're like, I wish I liked doing this, then switch it up a little bit, put a value that is important to you into it. And it'll start to energize you instead. Wanda, thank you so much. This is so enlightening for me. I love it. I loved it all. So we have the parenting equation. We have the success gauge. We have the foundation. Do you say like building a strong foundation? Honoring your foundation? foundation. New foundation. That's so great. You guys, if you want to learn more about how Wanda teaches and the things that she can she can enlighten your life and mind with you can find her on instagram wandahoward.live right live yeah. live how do you live. say it live <laughs> this is very important addiction so wandahoward.live and then you can also join her parenting program how do they find out more about your parenting program just dm you on instagram yes right now that's the best way i am currently putting everything over onto different uh website and funnels and all sorts of things so you can look up wandahoward.com. Maybe it'll be live by the time this episode goes live and then you can just find me that way. But 
If WandaHoward.com comes up with nothing, it's because we're still working on the back end. Perfect. And then that's why Instagram is awesome because you can just DM her. You can find her. Thank you so much. And everybody, take this information and this week go make a big old mess and figure out what rings true to you. We'll talk to you next time. I'm so glad that you were able to be here and discover more with us of what it means to be a successful parent. Be sure to hit that subscribe button and leave us a rate interview so that we can reach more amazing parents who are looking for ways to truly succeed with their kids too. Find me on Instagram or Facebook at WandaHoward.Live. If you're like, holy cow, this was amazing, but I have so many more questions, then send me a DM with your biggest takeaways and all of your questions. I'll be sure to take care of you. Have an amazing day and I will see you in our next episode.